Good morning. I like that weather out there. It's, it's, it's baseball season. Yeah, baseball weather out there. These guys coming up from Arizona and Florida, and they got to come to here and play in this weather. I'm like, uh, they're like, uh, let's just go back to Florida or Arizona. But good to be with you this morning. Uh, once again, it's nice to have the opportunity to talk up here and share what's what the Lord's put in my heart and mind. I'm just thankful that the Lord hasn't stopped working in our lives because we're all a work in progress and he hasn't given up on us. So I hope that's uh, the desire of your heart as well, that uh, the Lord continues to work in you. Nevertheless, this morning, uh, I'm going to be speaking on the topic of prayer, focusing on James 5, 16, and verses 17 and 18. I won't necessarily be speaking about this sentence in its context, uh, but more about the topic of prayer in regard to its effectiveness. So let's read this short passage together. And I'm going to read from the uh, NIV. It says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So before we dig into this passage a little bit, I'm just going to open uh, in a word of prayer and commit our time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to come before you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, Lord, thank you for prayer. Thank you for the communication line we have to you. Lord, I just pray that you bless our time together, that you, your Holy Spirit, would guide and direct this meeting. Um, let me, my flesh, get out of the way, Lord, and let your spirit um, work through me and say the things you want me to say uh, this morning. So I commit this time to you. Thank you once again for your goodness and grace, and most importantly, your son, Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Pray in his name. Amen. When I was asked to speak Sunday school, I think Mike Gagne asked me to speak, and he didn't give me a particular topic, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try to pick something. I'm not very good at making decisions. I was a little, it was a little intimidating, I have to say, um, but however, this passage from James, it caught my eye because I've been thinking about prayer, and I, I want the Lord to do miraculous and wonderful things in our lives, and that happens through prayer. And as I would discuss later, there are certain conditions that need to be met when we pray. But the whole idea of prayer being powerful and effective is really joyous to contemplate. The Lord desires to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to Ephesians 3.20. And the truth keeps coming back to us to, prayer with, to pray with confidence that our Heavenly Father will answer according to His perfect and pleasing will. We can trust that He is working for our good, according to Romans 8.28. So moving on, let's talk about the aspect of a righteous man's prayer being powerful and effective. 
The translation, of course, is one of the more popular options that I gave from the NIV. Two more other um, common translations include the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much, and the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Stress, then, in the sentence is upon the effectiveness of prayer. The language points to the prayer being great in its scope, strong in regard to its nature, and effective in the breadth of what it accomplishes. So I'm bringing a little Greek in here, so bear with me. Iskuo is the Greek word, uh, root word that can mean strong or powerful. Perfect timing, Jack's walking in. When we first learned this word in class, Jack actually told me that it would be easy to remember because I'm Iskuo in the physical sense, and I'm like strong. I said, well, that's kind of doing a disservice to the word because I'm not that strong, Jack. But, um, but it can be, certainly be the prayer and desire of everyone here for their prayers to be Iskuo. And I probably mispronounced that. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so in addition, this word can also carry the related meaning of winning over, overcoming, and defeating something. Our faith has this type of ability. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is a victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The prayer, then, of a righteous man is definitely a formidable thing. The other word in this sentence is effective, and it's translated energeo in the Greek. It is connected to our uh, word for energy. As you can tell, there's similar sounds. It means to do work and accomplish something. It has the idea of engaging, energizing, and intensifying something to take it from one level to the next. So I think about it this way. This is probably like a, I don't know if it's the best example. This is what the Lord put in my mind. And well, I'm always thinking about fitness and sports, so that's probably one of the things I like to, I think about it in personal training terms or fitness terms. I kind of used it for the word effective clients, they hire me as a personal trainer uh, to help them reach a specific goal or goals. However, if the client shows up to their personal training sessions and they're routinely lethargic, distracted, and indifferent, this will probably not be the right prescription for meeting their desired goals, and eventually they'll give up due to the lack of results and blame their trainer. So not that that's happened before. It, It hasn't. But this, in a sense, is like repetitive, lifeless prayer. When we show up and we're lethargic, distracted, and indifferent towards God in our prayers. And that is something that will not be demonstrating heartfelt or sincere engagement uh, with the Lord. However, if I am engaged, passionate, and persistent in my prayers, like a good personal training client with their workouts... God will see that fervency and be ready to help. In in his book, The Essentials of Prayer, author E.M. Bounds wrote, I love this quote, it says, Prayer must be a flame. Its ardor must consume. Prayer without fervor is as a sun without light or heat or as a flower without beauty or fragrance. A soul devoted to God is a fervent soul, and prayer is the creature of that flame. He 
only can truly pray who is all aglow for holiness, for God, and for heaven. Jeremiah 29.13 supports this zealous attitude as it says, And you will seek me, and you will find me, when you search, me, search for me with all your heart. Psalm 120, verse 1, speaks to the importance of urgency and desperation when praying, as it says, I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. I think a great picture of this psalm is, is definitely Jonah when he is in the belly of the whale. He exclaims in verse 7 of chapter 2, When my wife was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Then, three verses later, in verse 10, Jonah's prayer is answered when the Lord commands the fish to vomit Jonah up so they can go and fulfill uh, the Lord's plan for Nineveh. And I think the best example of um, the, the Lord, I think the best example of like a zealousness is like uh, the Lord in Hebrews 5, 7. Can someone read that? I don't have it here, but I wrote it down. Um, it was, it, if someone could, yeah, read that, that would be fantastic because I think this is a great picture of the Lord or just his zealousness. In the days of his flesh, when he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and who was heard because of his piety. Yeah, thank you. So I, I think that's just uh, a perfect verse for in regard to zeal and praying with fervor towards the Lord as Jesus did it uh, in the days of his flesh. So another characteristic is answered prayer happens when we pray with resiliency and diligence. Uh, a great example of this is the parable of the persistent widow and un, an unjust judge in Luke 18, 1 through 8. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Luke 18, uh, 1 through 8. So then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I will tell you, he will see that they can get justice and quickly. Overall, persistent prayer where we ask, seek, and knock is the vehicle through which we get desired results and tap into God's powerful capabilities. It is totally based on his greatness and generosity. Alec Motyer makes this point that prayer is unoppressive and easy to despise, but it has great resource waiting to be tapped a huge potency to release. We need passion in our prayer life to see the Lord open up his treasure chest full of riches. So further, outside of passion, 
I would be amiss if I didn't mention other qualifications for powerful and effective prayer. As James 5.16 attests, God hears the prayers of righteous men and women. The righteousness we have is not from ourselves, but is from Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, your prayers will not be heard. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Proverbs 15.8 also testifies of this. It states, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. So that was our first qualification for powerful and effective prayer. The next one is we need to pray according to God's will. If we are righteous and praying according to his revealed will in Scripture, that prayer will be heard by the Lord. This is the confidence we have approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's 1 John uh, 5, 14 through 15. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. The beauty for us as believers is that we have the Holy Spirit to intercede for us, according to Romans 8.27. As John Glock said when he was here in January, he said, the helper will help. The Holy Spirit takes our groanings and presents them perfectly before the Lord. And it's in full accordance with the Lord's will. So there's some other barriers according to, uh, to powerful and effective prayer is when we have unconfessed sin in our hearts and pray with wrong motives and selfish desires. In regard to unconfessed sin, Isaiah 59.2 declares, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hid his face from you so that he will not hear. Psalm 66.18 also says that if I had cherished sin in my heart, God would have not listened. Additionally, if we pray with the wrong intentions, God will not give us what we ask for because we'll spend it on our own pleasures. And that's James 4.3. So when we're praying for, with our selfish intentions, it goes against a lot of times what the Lord wants in terms of his glory. He's a jealous God, as we know, so he's looking to receive all the glory. And when we do it, we spend all, we get something in prayer and we're asking for it and we're not seeking his will, not seeking his glory, um, it won't be answered. And then furthermore, just a few other uh, quick qualifications to uh, prayer that it should happen. We're told to pray continuously. We're told to pray with faith. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We're told to pray with thanksgiving, pray with a spirit of forgiveness towards others in Christ's name, and then with a heart right toward God. So there are some other qualifications um, with regard to praying. Overall, it's the strength of our faith, not the length of our prayers that pleases him to whom we pray. So we don't need to impress God with our eloquence or our intelligence. After all, God knows what we need even before we ask.
So shifting gears here, that was a lot of um, qualifications and different things there in terms of praying. So now I want to look at a, a real-life example that's actually given in James, and that's the, the prayer of Elijah. And that's verses 17 and 18 in James chapter 5. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours who prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the rain came down, and the crops grew. Accordingly, the first time we hear of Elijah is in 1 Kings 17.1, where he stands in King Ahab's court and declares that there won't be any rain in Israel until he gives his word. His prayers for a drought and rain are actually not recorded. However, the scene and the circumstance where he prays for rain is recorded, and I would like to examine and dissect this a little bit. It actually happens in 1 Kings 18, 41 to 45, and this takes place after Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And can someone actually read that passage? So it's at 1 Kings 18, 41 to 45. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink. For there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shout. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to the servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go back seven times. And it came about at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. So it came about in a little while that the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rose and went to Jezreel. Thank you. So there are actually three things that I would like to mention about Elijah's prayer in these verses. So number one, it was private. Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel after his victory over the prophets of Baal, put his face between his head and his knees, and prayed silently. He went from the public eye to a private meeting with the Lord. He didn't stay around to bask in the glory of his victory over the prophets. He could have used that outcome to elevate himself, but instead um, he resisted the temptation to exploit it for his benefit. He, he left the limelight, and he retreated to a place where he could pray uh, co confidentially. And similarly, we have the example of the Lord uh, saving to pray with his father, and he, when he tells believers uh, to pray in secret and that the Lord will reward you. That's Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And so just for personal reflection, something to be thinking about is, do we get away to pray with the Lord in private? Or are we hindered by other distractions in our lives? I know for me personally, it's, it's a huge issue to pray with the Lord in private. But it seems that that is an effective way the Lord desires that we spend time alone with him in private, just committing our time to him and praying. The number two point I would like to make is that Elijah's prayer was passionate. Elijah's posture of bowing low to the ground 
was a demonstration of great passion. It actually showed reverence and humility. The New King James Version for verse, 40, or for verse 42 of 1 Kings 18 says, He literally threw himself face down or bowed down on the ground. He was totally submitted to God in prayer and deeply desired that his prayer would be answered. The nation of Israel had endured drought for three and a half years. He knew it was judgment for their sin. However, with the victory at Mount Carmel and the people's subsequent slaughter of the prophets of Baal, Elijah knew some hearts were changed, and it was a perfect time for the Lord to bless them with rain. So he prayed passionately. And that's another question. Do we pray with passion? I know I'm passionate about a lot of things, <laughs> and prayers a lot of times is not one of them. I love for, uh, sports and fitness, and, but do I implement that same enthusiasm toward God in prayer? And unfortunately, I can't say that I do that. I sometimes get more excited about you know, what happens in the sports world than I do what happens in prayer with God. So that's, that's my desire, and that's the passion that I want. And I hope that's for everyone here, is that we have passion in our prayer life to see God do miraculous things. And then the last part uh, of Elijah's prayer that I want to mention, that it was persistent. So you have the three Ps. You have private, it was private, it was passionate, and it was persistent. Even though God had promised rain to Elijah in verse 1 of 1 Kings 18, he still prayed. He could come to God with the utmost confidence and boldness because of that promise. Individually, we have the ability to do the same because of God's written word. However, Elijah's prayer, like ours, has to be persistent at times. His prayer, when he was um, doing his, when he was going against the prophets of Baal, his fire for, or his prayer for fire was answered immediately. But his prayer for rain took some more perseverance. So there's definitely a dichotomy in terms of the prayers that, that take place. We're not always sure why it happened this way, but we can trust God for his reasons and his purposes. When Elijah prayed for rain, he sent his servant to the top of the mountain to look out over the Mediterranean Sea. He told him to do this seven times, which must have taken a considerable amount of time. Actually, it's probably hours and not minutes. However, Elijah did not grow disheartened during this time, but kept praying because he knew the promise of God, rain, and by faith he knew it would eventually come. He showed this great faith in the Lord by telling Ahab in verse 41, and this was even before he even prayed and heard from a servant that he saw a cloud. He told Ahab in verse 41 to go eat and drink, for there was a sound of heavy rain, even though there was none at the time. So Elijah didn't literally hear a storm, but he knew by faith one was coming. And I, as I said before, we don't know how long Elijah prayed, but when God finally answered his prayer, 
it was totally unspectacular in the form of a small cloud rising up over the sea. The servant who told him about it didn't even seem too excited by what he saw, but Elijah knew it was the answer he was looking for. Elijah's persistence in prayer was eventually answered in a supernatural way with a torrential downpour that was abundantly above what he could ask or think. As Ted Brown mentioned in Psalm 31 last week, the Lord heard Elijah's cry for mercy in his circumstance and poured out his blessing on the land. And then for final reflection here, do we pray persistently for unanswered prayer requests? I know for myself, I usually pray a handful of times, and then I stop or forget. I actually started putting prayer requests in my phone so that I can pray more consistently for them, because I, it just helps to have those reminders that people mention prayer requests, and then I pray a few handful of times, and then, but are we praying persistently about unanswered prayers? So overall, looking at the example of Elijah, sometimes we need privacy, passion, and persistence to have our, air, or to have our prayers answered positively by the Lord. This is certainly tough to do because there are so many distractions, but the Lord is always faithful when we cry out to him. It might be yes, no, or wait, but he's always faithful. So now... I actually want to spend um, the next few minutes, I don't know if we want to break into groups for this, but I want to look at some other prayers in the Bible and just look at any characteristics from these prayers that might be on display and applicable to our own lives. So I have a handful of prayers. I have like five or six prayers here that we can look at and discuss. What I might have someone do is let's break into like groups, maybe give you like 10 minutes just to read um, let's have like a group formed here, like a group in the middle. So I have like five. So we need five groups. So maybe you go that way there, and then we'll just do four then. So does that make sense? What did you say? Okay. All right, five groups then. I'll let you manage it yourself. I'm not good at directing it. And then once everybody gets in our group, then I'll just sign a prayer to you. All right, so let's go here. You're going to do Exodus 32, 9 to 14. That's Moses' prayer for Israel. In the back there, you're going to do Hannah's prayer, which is 1 Samuel 1, 5 through 11. In the back, I'm going to have you do Jehoshaphat's prayer. It's 2 Chronicles 20. Um, And then I'm going to have you do, uh, let's do Hezekiah's prayer, 2 Kings Nine, nineteen, fourteen, and nineteen, and then all you got, and then you—we forgot your group. You're going to do uh, Jesus's prayer at Gethsemane, Luke twenty-two, thirty-nine to forty-six. Let's try to go five more minutes. Five more minutes. All right, let's wrap, wrap up. I'll give you one more minute, and then we'll, we'll finish up here. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's close it down here. Let's, let's close up shop, and uh, we'll go, and we're, gonna, we're just going to go through. I'm just going to call in groups, and then we're going to just have a little discussion about what 
conclusions you came to or what thoughts it provoked about prayer and just effectiveness of prayer uh, to God. So let's start with this group first. Uh, you had Exodus 32, 9 to 14. It was Moses' prayer for Israel in the wilderness. So what thoughts stood out to you by reading Moses' prayer uh, for Israel in the wilderness? What we kind of just work from back and forth, and it is a difficult one, because God sort of said, okay, leave me alone, I'm going to just do what I've got to do. But we're wondering, and my thoughts, and we discussed it, like, would God test us at all times with our prayers to see where we're coming from, too? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I'm wondering if this wasn't God, you know, saying, Mo, you know, Mo, Moses needs to grow and to understand. And when we pray, we need to pray God's will. Mm, absolutely. So in a way, Moses was reflecting, God, this is your will. This is what you wanted us to do. You know, are you going to abandon it? But I think God was just, you know, in a way, testing, bringing to understanding, Moses, where are you coming from in all this? Because the people that you brought out were really <coughs> abandoned me or, or gone away. Mm-hmm. Where are you coming from? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, they're not easy. I mean, I just wanted to get your thoughts on terms of, I mean, yeah, we don't necessarily know what God is, is doing in the situation, but you can get, pick up some clues from other scripture uh, to kind of piece it together a little bit better. Um, but like you said, we, we, I mean, it's one of the conditions, praying according to his will and you know, and I think that's what he wants. And yeah, you don't always know his purposes and his reasons, but he's doing it for our good. And he's, you know, always has that, that plan that he's fulfilling. So I think you're absolutely right. Is there anything else? Any other comments there about anything I had to say? Thank you. I'm just, like I said, I'm just want to go through and get initial impressions or anything that might've stood out to, uh, to you during that. So the group in the back there, back left, uh, they had 1 Samuel uh, 5 to 11. What stood out to you about Hannah's prayer? God hears us when we uh, came to the place where she knew she could be close to the Lord. And she prayed out of a, a sorrowful heart. And the Lord heard her. And even though it wasn't a perfect prayer, there's a lot of some selfishness in the prayer. But the Lord still heard this, this woman. And Eli, when looking on, he doesn't understand the fervor of prayer. He's never seen it before. He thinks it's a drunken woman. So the, the, even the religious system has never seen this honest, heartfelt, poured-out prayer that Hannah's uh, making. It's just a kind of an astounding situation. But the Lord accepts her prayer, even though it's not perfect, but it's, it's a, from a person who's suffering and, and just wants God to help her, needs God to help her. That the beauty of the pleading and the just the honesty before the Lord, like the Lord, this is the desire of my heart, and the Lord answering that. Like you said, it's not necessarily perfect, or I mean, she's just coming to Him honestly and explaining her situation. And I think that's what is applicable applicable to us is coming before Him, you know, and, and telling what's what's on our mind, what's on our heart, and and pleading with Him and. And, yeah, having that fervor, like you said, and having that just laid out before the Lord, that zeal. So, 
That's great. Is there any other thoughts that anybody else had in the group or anything like that? Okay. Awesome. Let's uh, go back to the group in the back. They had uh, Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat's prayer, right? Okay. So the aspects we pointed out were that it was a communal prayer, that all of Judah gathered together, and there was fast proclaimed. So it was, um, even though Jehoshaphat was the one that said it, it was the whole community was together, um, devoted on that. Um, and then they went through, and uh, the first thing in the prayer is they claim who God is and what he's done in the past for Israel. Um, she went, yeah. Uh, um, and they talk about their limitations, which gives a uh, tone of desperation for them, uh, just the failures they've had and that they aren't able to do this. So some desperation there, looking at God. Uh, they claim his promises um, for Israel, promises he, made, promises he made to Israel and that there's people. Um, and they, they claim their devotion to him, too, that no matter what's going to happen, they will stand at his house um, before him. And, and, we, and then that, again, ends with the communal aspect, because they all associate in there. All of Judah is standing. So that's a lot of times what we have to do is wait. And but it's just like the, the desperation and just that the they're you know they know where to go and what they're looking to the Lord. Um yeah, that was a good summary of what that what that was, what the prayer was. I mean, like you said, it was a communal prayer, but it was a point of like what the Lord has done in the past. Like, Lord, you've done this. We're looking for you to repeat this. We want you to do, we want you to do this again. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think just coming before the Lord in a desperate state and, and once again, just declaring our our need for him and that we're, we're helpless without him. We're helpless. I mean, and a lot of times we, I know it's like, well, you know, Lord, I think, I think I can probably, you know, I can probably handle this. I, you know, I, yeah, you know, I can, I have a little bit of ability of my own, you know, to do it. So, you know, Lord, just you know, step back. No, that's not really right. So uh, it, it's that complete desperation that we come before the Lord. And I think that's a great point. Um, next one, real quickly, Ryan's group there with the, um, I just had with the Lord's Prayer at Gethsemane. Kind of an interesting thing was a lot of times we pray for deliverance of something. He prays for deliverance, but he, he also prays that it's not his will, but the Father's will. So he basically says on that he, that he will have to, in full realization, that he'll probably have to face the trial that's before him that he knows. And so he prays for power to get through that. Which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Paul's thorn in the flesh. It's kind of well, almost like a similar situation. It's like that's not, that trial's not going to be taken away from you, but you're going to be given the grace to endure it. And so that's kind of what I guess what you're. I mean, that's like a similar in terms of, hey, you know, we're, we're not. I'm not taking this trial away. This is what you're going to have to face, but I'm going to give you the grace to deal with it, kind of, kind of thing. So no, that's that's. And the other thing is, I think it's really clear here that there's like a, a battle. Um, Twice mentions not the fault of temptation from this. Uh, so the prayer is a way that 
plus from temptation, but there's uh, so a great passage to see that it's actually a spiritual battle going on, and um, even the fact that it takes a physical toll on the Lord, the Lord Jesus here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see that. I mean, like he's sweat, sweating. I mean, sweating great drops of blood. Some people maybe say that was actually he was sweating blood. Um, yeah, I mean, that, and that's, I think that's the fervor, and that's the, I mean, to the point of, you know, how, how, how you know, sincere, how zealous, how, you know, enthusiastic are our prayers to the Lord. And I think this is, I mean, this is, I mean, this crying and this pleading with the Lord, just, I mean, going to the Father and saying, I, you know, if it's your will, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but your, thy will be done. And, um, I mean, I think, yeah, that's why we come before the Lord and we, you know, we plead our case before him. And, and if the answer is no, I mean, he'll, he, he gives us grace. I mean, he gives us the grace to deal with it, but it is, um, is definitely a challenge. All right, last group here quickly, um, and then we'll finish. Uh, we started with, uh, with Hezekiah's prayer. He's praying for deliverance from Sennacherib, the leader of the Assyrian uh, forces. And we begin with praise, and uh, one of our members mentioned that by the beginning with praise, he's being reminded of God's power, of God's ability. And as he's being reminded of that, then he asks for this really pretty formidable <coughs> request because of Assyria has never been defeated. That's mm-hmm. what that point out there. He's never been defeated yet. He's praying that that would happen. And, um, and then it ends up with, of course, that the prayer is answered. And it's all for God's glory. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I mean, like, I, like in terms of like uh, we kept saying, like he can do a, more than we ask or imagine, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And that's just like I, I thought of, you know, about Elijah. It's like, oh, we're going to have this little rain. It's like this small cloud rose, and then it's like this torrential downpour, and just the bless the land and the crops grew from that. And so it was just like the, the Lord can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine in that regard. And, and he did. He's, you know, this, these people haven't, to be, this army hasn't been defeated, but that's nothing to the Lord. I mean, that's, the Lord is capable of anything. And so that's where our confidence, we can come boldly before him. And I think you see that there for sure. Anyway, thanks everybody for your input today. I really appreciate it. And hopefully you got something out of the message. Um, so let me just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, just thank you once again for this time. Um, just thank you for prayer, Lord. Thank you that it's powerful, effective, um, when we pray, Lord, it's, it's just amazing to have this communication with you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we might be, you know, pr- passionate and persistent in our prayers, uh, that we bring everything before you and just lay it all out before you, Lord, and, and not hide anything. You know all things, Lord, and you know that we love you and you know our hearts. So we just pray that we might be bold and confident coming before you and just Lord, thank you so much for, once again, your love to us and your goodness as we don't deserve it. And uh, we just pray that as we go forward, we might be praying boldly and persistently and passionately for one another and and for prayer requests and other things that come up in our lives, Lord. And we can just look to you and commit everything to you uh, for your good. And so we just commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.